All of y'all are. Here we go. Y'all good? Yeah, call them. Season's greetings, homies. <laughs> I can't hear you. You can't hear me? Can you hear me now? Can you guys hear each other? I can yeah. hear you. Can you hear me? So we are, Maya, you good? Smiths, I can't hear nothing. Hold up. Can you hear me, Julian? No, I can hear you fine. Can you hear me now? There we go. There you go. There you go. Okay, there I was go. trying to use my mic, but let me see if I can adjust it. Hold on. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Oh, can you hear me now? I can hear you fine. Yeah, I can hear can you. Everybody now. can can everybody hear everybody? First of all, yeah. let's get that. Yeah, out I can way. I can hear you now. Yeah, yeah, we okay. good. Can y'all hear me? Can y'all hear me? Yeah, yeah we, we can hear you. Season's greetings, homies. What's going on? <laughs> What's what good, what yeah, young fella? <laughs> so let me go ahead and start off, you know, doing a, a, a nice hey, intro presentation. Welcome to Talk That Talk, where we have unfiltered, unscripted live conversations about music education, band, HBCU band culture, and all things surrounding band. Uh, I want to go ahead and introduce the panel. First of all, we have my man, Mario. Yo, what's up, everybody? How y'all doing? My guy, Rick. Sure. What's and going on? Miss Maya down there in the right corner. Hey, y'all. All right. So uh, the first thing that I want to go ahead and do is we're going to have all these real conversations and we're going to be extremely honest about our feelings and personal perceptions. And I'm going to start off giving a lot of topics. And from there, we're just going to tell our personal opinions and move on from there. All right. So y'all ready to go? Let's do it. All right. So they, these are all off the cuff. Nobody ha knows what the topic is. You just got to be able to go off your brain and, and really tell exactly how you feel. So here we go. Here's the first topic. Has band culture killed musicianship? Has band culture killed musicianship? Uh, let's start with Mario. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think it has killed musicianship at all, actually. Um, I think what has killed musicianship has been more of the um, microwave society of just, you know, quick, fast and hurry um, radio plays and, and, you know, that type of vibe, more of the more of that culture than I would say band culture. Um, band culture has changed the type of music that's played in marching bands, but not necessarily kill band culture because you would have to do a little bit more than that to kill band culture. So, um, you know, and then I think you got a broader sense. We start talking about culture. So that's that's my short answer. I, I, and I, I don't believe the music now has killed band culture. So and just to kind of piggyback off that. So if you don't believe band culture has killed musician musicianship, what about band head culture? Uh, for me, band head culture is. Um, it's what it's, it's what it's been. It's just a. Uh, I think you just have more avenues for people to talk smack and stuff like that. But it's it's, it's still the same thing. Everybody's gonna say what they're gonna say. You have you still have the same you know a lot of the same rivalries that you've always had. You have people who you know kind of go back and forth and stuff like that. So I don't think band culture, especially the rivalries and stuff like that, that type of culture has definitely um, been a negative on the uh, on the on the, the overall marching band culture, definitely, since we're talking about marching bands. But if you're talking about music in general, maybe you got a point there, but as far as marching bands, no. Okay. Uh, 
Rick, what about you? Has bandhead culture uh, killed musicianship? I think that the question is somewhat of a loaded question because it depends on what your band culture is. You know, I came from the MIAC. I taught in the SWAC. So those are two completely different band cultures right. from approach to band to how much people care about man. And I'm sure Maya will talk about this when she goes with like dance culture. That's that's one of those things I feel in band in band that has remained untouched. Either you can or you can't. And, and you know, our our dancers out there, they're kind of brutal with that, man. They judge each other on like I think harder than some musicians do. I think that um in general different cultures hold different things at higher importance. So I didn't march in a swag band. And when I was in the band, um, shout out to the Legion. What's up, North hey, State? Class, hey, you know, <laughs> class of 2000. But um, when I was in the band in Norfolk, I, my experience with HBCU was brand new. I was not in an HBCU style band in high school. Matter of fact, we used to compete with the dominant HBCU style band in our, in our city. So when I got to Norfolk, the only thing Dr. Sanford cared about was musicianship. Can you play your horn? So when I had heard those bands playing with the bombastic sound, like that huge sound, to me, I I didn't appreciate it the same way that somebody from that, that particular conference would. Matter of fact, we used to make fun of it. We thought it sounded bad. And in some cases it did, some cases it didn't. You know, it's just not what we were used to. And then you look at it from the other side, you got SWAC that listen to the MEAC and they think it's boring. They think it sounds like PWI. They, you know, it's just different culture. So, you know, I don't want to talk too long on it, but I think it's a loaded question. I don't think that bandheadism has killed musicianship because bandheads from different cultures and different styles value different things. We can't hear you, G. My bad. I muted myself. So let me kind of ask you this question then, just kind of going off that. Does it seem nowadays there's just seems like this one style of bandhead culture? No, because I think, I mean, obviously you have people that appreciate, I mean, so marching band, like marching band in general is one of those things where you have to project outside. You can't play if your inside sound outside, because otherwise you won't project up into the stands. Nobody will be able to hear you with the clarity that they hear you in a concert hall. So you have to project. That's number one. Number two, projection is exciting. When you hear a horn line hit a B-flat chord in tune together, that's pretty exciting. When you see a group do a dance move together, it's exciting. So I think, I don't think there's a general, like a standardized thing now. I think certain bands dominate the conversation. And rightfully so, because those bands have been dominant in their conferences. You know, I'm sure we'll get to that later, but, you know, um, I don't think it's one thing. You know, I'm anxious to hear. Maya, what'd you think? Um, so, off the initial question of has Van Halen culture killed musicianship? Killed it? I wouldn't say, but challenged it dramatically? Possibly so. And I think that that depends on your perspective. So, just coming from solely knowing it being in the eyes and the realm of 
black bands going to PV, coming from Townview, which was based off of and modeled in some water fashion off of PV, off of the storm. I only know I have a one track mind when it comes to musicality or or the the showmanship of being in a swag band right now if we take that a step further just able to be a part of the transition from one type of style to another so i think that that is a um like an offset because i do know those persons whether it was my crab brothers whether it was old heads who had to change their mindset of what they took into um perspective in terms of tone musicality just overall um quality of sound and i think that that is possibly a challenge as well because not only did our band transition but many others have as well and i think it depends on the leadership and the structure that could possibly be a challenge of what could make or break that particular culture um within within be expanded upon as we go off into swag me yeah, all of that so i guess kind of yes and no but I, in my opinion it's just based off of what is there overall there's many caveats and i'm sure again we'll get to those now if we're talking about the dance side brownie you was like either you have it on your or you don't surely however dance culture has definitely changed from what I'm seeing the girls do versus what we were doing versus what they were doing before I got to be in a flat are three totally different things. So I think that that's definitely, that doesn't align with music, what was like musicianship, but what you stated on, yeah, those are definitely three different things and there's definitely a transition upon us. But I think it does, Maya. I, th I really do think it does. I think that from the line that you were in, y'all were definitely thinking about accentuating what was going on musically. All right, there's a hit there. Let's do a flash there or something like that. But, but again, that goes with leadership. That's something that I cared about. So coming from, you know, growing up playing classical piano and all those types of things, I think I have a different ear for music and I have a different appreciation of it. So I would want my line to be able to showcase that and to be able to complement the transitions that were upon us in the storm as well. You yeah. can't, you know, like if the band is moving one way, we are a complement and, and color to the band. So, you know, those things have to align. Again, yes, gonna... I, think, I think we're all right. In our own <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to just add something to what you were saying. As I'm hearing the responses, it, I, it's some some things start clicking in my head. You know, um, the, there's MEAC fans. There's people who like and enjoy the sound of, you know, traditional MEAC bands where they say it's more balanced and all this other stuff. Um, I, even though I'm marching the Miag band, I'm not necessarily from that culture, you know, like I wasn't rooted in that culture, but, um, but then you have what I will say, um, you said band head culture. What I'm seeing now is the summer bands have definitely had a large, large effect on musicianship. And it's, it's definitely become more of a who's louder contest, you know, not necessarily who sounds the best or whatever. It's just like a who's louder contest. And I think that that is that is definitely um it's a good thing for kids to be young and young adults to get together to play to keep people off the streets to keep people positive that's good but it's it just um i think it does you know have a have its negativity you know in terms of what it's going to contribute to the overall band programs when it as it comes to the fall some people may not be able to switch that switch back forth you know between those type of styles of playing and um it it definitely is affecting some of the band programs and we'll see, you know, next week we will see, we'll see what, if it's really affecting them or not. 
So I may be totally off. We'll see if, if those programs can capture their sounds, even though they have these summer bands and they see their kids playing, like going, you know, going ham in these programs, in these summer programs. So we'll see how it goes. You're muted. <laughs> I don't know why I keep muting myself. Uh, but what I was saying was, I know Mar Mario just kind of finished up on that. But any other final thoughts from you, Rick or Maya, before we move on to the next topic? Not really. I mean, I, I think this could be an hour-long conversation in itself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It could. It could. That's yeah. the point. That's 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 absolutely <laughs> yeah. the point. Yeah. You, you, get right. some, you get some drink up in everybody and the conversation <laughs> way longer, you know? <laughs> Word up. <laughs> I drink my water. water. All right, I drink it's my water. water though. It's water. <laughs> Word up. Word up. All right, cool, cool, cool. Uh, let me just do this again. Welcome to Talk That Talk, where we have live band discussions, unfiltered. Um, and so we're going to move on to this next topic. We were talking about, as band head culture, kill musicianship, but let's actually talk about that band head culture. Have we let too many people in to the band head culture. So let me just give you a little context on that. Um, you know, it, it was before social media and all of that kind of stuff. There was just kind of this time where people just enjoyed band and the musicians and the people who were a part of the band are the ones who really had a lot of the say so. Well, now we have so much social media input and people who are not, who have not been truly a part of the culture, who have not marched or anything like that. But yet they have so much to say and so much input on what happens in the culture. So do we think that we have let too many people into the culture? Maya, you want to go first? No, you can go ahead on this one. Yeah, one of you guys. Maya, you want to on that one? Wait, um, uh oh I was going to go ahead, Maya. You can go first. Or I can yeah, go. yeah, absolutely. Oh, um, so... Yes, again, yes and no. I feel like maybe that's going to be an ongoing trend with me. But I think that people have always talked. It's just a lot more clear. It's a lot more uh, easy to make that reach because of social media has hyped up or the, the, the way in which we can quickly communicate. So, I mean, in one perspective, yes, if who are we, who are we to say, like, okay, no one is allowed part of the conversation? think that it has <sighs> I think that it has given a negative effect as well as a positive effect because yes if we are for showmanship the entertainment portion is something that matters as well so if we understand our um, environment or if we understand who our audience is we are able to kind of make notations to be able to capture looking for and what they can understand or not Maybe there is something that we need to uh, manipulate to, to, to reach the audience that we're looking for. Now, vice versa, it does get a little tricky when you have people who don't have any, like you said, previous knowledge, previous, they've never marched before. They don't know A from Z, but want to be able to say everything in the world. But I mean, really and truly, in what category of life it does that not occur? So have we let too many people into the culture? I don't think it's not necessarily that. It's just it's, it's just all around us, and it's unavoidable at this point as we continue on to to, to move forward with technology. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I'm, I'm kind of both on both sides of that as well. I think 
I don't see, I guess because of my musical background, I just don't validate everybody's opinion in it in any way. I just don't really care what everybody has to say. But that doesn't mean that the people with something to say don't build a strong enough following or um, people start to believe whatever they see. So social media has given voice to people who are maybe little people in the band world, but big people on a screen or behind a keyboard. So it, it allows people um, to have a voice that can obviously grow very large. And we see that all the time. You know what I mean? Obviously not pointing to anybody specific direction, but you see that all the time. You see people who never march one day in a band, but they can run forums. They can tell everybody else what is what the case is and all this stuff. And they usually only come from one perspective. They don't even know what it's like to be on the, the instrument side to or to be on the dancer side to know what it's like to actually do this stuff, you know. You know, it's easy for people to say, you know, like we watch basketball and say, hey, this guy should be doing this. But you're sitting at home saying it from a couch like you don't know what the real experience is. So it's hard to say if you've let too many people in, because once upon a time we complain that the that our um, our medium wasn't exposed enough. So we want to make sure that it has the exposure. Um, but we also don't want to give validation to exposing things doesn't mean we have to give every single person um, everything that they say, you know, credit or, you know, boast it up on the you know platform to say this person's opinion is whatever you know and that that goes back to like some are you know the i guess as a generation just have, have changed things have changed uh in terms of the way we view band because once upon a time band was specifically just for the crowd we were entertaining people and it wasn't about band heads and then later on music i felt like marching band became more about how band has experienced the game you know what I mean? People care. You can see that on the field. Band, most bands aren't creative. They do the same march on. They do the same field show stuff. They do the same stuff every single time. But then they get in the, they get on the stands and they going crazy. They playing all the most creative stuff. They're trying to do all this different music and pulling this stuff out the pocket. But they'll give you a step two every day and, and it's or, you know, or whatever, you know, is typical to everybody's program, you know. I think I think you and Maya both have touched on something in particular um, before I give my answer, and that is the loudest voices are usually the most respected. The person that talks the most, talks the most crap, is the person that everybody listens to the most. And you know, we we see this stuff. I I gotta I gotta touch on like when I first moved to Texas and 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 took you know was on the staff uh, at PV. I have never heard so many YouTube doctorate degree people <laughs> tell me how my band was in my life. Like people that could barely blow their nose, couldn't play the B flat scale for you if you sung it and show them the finger. It's the main people out here telling you what your band is. Not knowing, I, I don't know one director that went into a band in the first year and that band was the best band in the conference. Yet alone, if they lose 200 people out of the band almost and then have to keep that band going. By my second year there, we had like 120 people soaking wet in the marching band. You know, and we became like, oh, that's the little band with the big sale, almost like A&T was back in the day. And we kept churning and churning and churning. And so many people, including alumni. And Maya knows this because I used to talk about it all the time, <laughs> about how you got alumni that don't even have pride in their own program won't even give the, the program a chance to grow 
you know, and now those same people that were talking the most are the same people say, boy, I never doubted you. I knew it. I love it. Boy, it's so good. It's so good. I can't. Oh, my God. The same people were the same ones that Julian, um, Julian almost had to get in a fight with with one of these alumni in the band room. Like, we literally had to almost come to blows with alumni. So to answer the question, have we let too many people in? No. I think that's what keeps HBCU band alive is that it's in the conversation of so many people. I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think we validate the wrong people. You know, if I log online and I see Mario say, that sounds great, I'm going to take that with a little more grain of salt because I know the musician that Mario is. All these gangsters from YouTube, like I said, couldn't couldn't you know hold my socks on the trumpet, but they, they you know the most <laughs> you know most vocal person. I don't even read that mess, right? You know, and right. you know to this day I got my trumpet right here, so I you know I still play my horn. Yeah, you know, not sitting at home screaming a double G every now and again to some kids and keep it moving. So. You know, that's that's where I am. And I think it's important to add people to the culture because this is what's going to keep recruitment up. This is what's going to keep HBCUs in the conversation. This is the reason why drum corps are now so adamant about getting students from HBCUs into drum corps because they understand how important it is and how seriously people take band at HBCUs. And I think that's an important thing for us. But we just got to be leery of the people that we give a platform to right. represent our art. Right. Julian muted. You're going to stop muting this dog. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing like 15,000 uh, 15, other things at the same I time. I see you got, you played uh, Brittany you know, Curran. I see you on there. What's up, Brittany? Yeah, Brittany. I see you, Brittany. <laughs> but, uh, what up, so sis? You say that you got to monitor who we allow, right? But like, who determines that, right? Because like, if you have if you have these people who are quote unquote the band heads, right? right? And these people are also, you know, I guess you want to say active community people in the community who are either A, still marching, or I'm gonna have to say it, B, haven't let it go, you know, and they're filtering or they're allowing these people who are outside of the culture to filter, filter in. And they're in some cases the loudest voice, then how do people like you determine whether they're the right person to listen to or not when the rest of the culture says hey let's listen to this person well i don't i didn't remember i didn't say that we shouldn't have these people in the car i said we shouldn't let them represent us what's important to me as a musician is different what's important to a kid that their only experience in band was marching band you know there are so many band programs in this country that do marching band year-round it's right. sad. It's tragic. But that's those kids experience. And that's their introduction to our like. That's the thing. We don't think about what we do as art. And it absolutely is. You know, it is. Uh, I always I, I don't know what band says this, but it's often imitated, but it's never really duplicated. It's a lot of bands out there that want to sound like Southern, want to sound like Norfolk State, want to sound like Bethune Cookman. But they can't because they're not those bands. Julie, you know the conversation you and I had. I hope we get to bring it up at some point in the show about Norfolk State. Norfolk State looks different from any band in this country. Right. Our traditions at Norfolk, if you try to do what we do, you will literally look ridiculous. <laughs> like, because yeah. 
we're the only band that marches the way we do with the drum majors that does those stupid things in the stands that I hate and hope we talk about that mess. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not doing that mess. <laughs> I'm not doing that mess. <laughs> you look in the middle, I'm just sitting there with the trumpet. <laughs> looking pissed off. <laughs> That's probably what Doctor said for cuss me out so much, but uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I think that those people should absolutely have a voice, but they should also have the backup what they say with facts. You know, you can't just say what the hell you want. Oh, sorry, you can't just say what you want because you um, hell is okay. Oh, okay, hell is okay <laughs> because you just feel like it. Bombs. So I'll stop talking. Go ahead, Maya. What you got? So it brought up a. And I, that made me think about how I think this question in turn goes related to the question that we talked about, right? Too many people into the culture of the band. So with recruitment and things of that nature, so everybody wants to sound like Southern, everybody wants to sound like Jack everybody wants to sound like this. Now, when you start to recruit those persons who only have that ear of standing, I can just get on my horn and blow, or mm -hmm. I can just do whatever the case may be. The challenge is the previous question. Right, because how do we? Or let me stop. What was their initial question? So I'm not wrong. Um, it's scrolling down at the bottom. But have we let too many people in into the, the last? The, the first question. Um, the first question was. Let me go back to it. How's uh, musicianship? Has band hair, has band hair culture killed musicianship? So I think potentially in this aspect, yes, because. When you get those persons who are online bullies or whatever the case may be, how do you stop the, the persons in your actual band from being able to adhere and soak that up and then push it out again, right? Because these kids now have grown up in the age of technology, so they take a lot to heart. Even when I was marching, I I would want to go look at the comments and the, the views and the quality of, of the the videos and stuff are nowhere near what they are now. So I think that that is a challenge and that possibly is a, a negative side of because you have those people that just want to be like, okay, I just want to go blow my horn, but then you're not messing up the overall tone. You're messing up the overall quality of the sound and what you're trying to produce. So, you know, some facets, not too good. I don't know if y'all hear what I'm saying, but. Yeah, I hear what you're saying for sure. I mean, one of the things that that's different for me than everybody on this um, on uh, on our on this meeting right now is I'm in New Jersey. So band up here is nowhere near like band in Texas or band in, you know, Louisiana or wherever, because the kids up here don't even have access. I had a you know, I was having a band practice today and some kids uh, joining the band. They had never even heard of an HBCU. They're Nigerian. And so the experiences for a lot of people are so different. So when you start talking about letting people into the culture today, I actually taught about the culture. I let the kids see it. I, I showed them. I feel like one of the early things to show them is a field show, a dancer team from like fam, fam dance teams to me just be off the chain. So like you show them one of them extra exciting fam dance routines, show them the field show, show them like J5, show them, you know, some of these schools and the different things that are kind of like, signifiers for people when you think of HBCU bands. And um, that was like the introduction to this culture. And then obviously I'm going to bring in the different schools and the different things that make everybody personal, you know? Um, but I think it's important for us to be able to embrace people coming in. But as Rick was saying, and I was saying earlier, I just, I don't validate people who I know who don't really have, you know, they haven't done the work. 
I don't I don't personally validate them, and I'm a and that's coming from band director. So I know that I think we just need to get to making sure we continue to educate the young people about you know not validating nonsense. You know what I mean? Know the facts. But the thing about it, Mario, is this. And Maya, I think you what you said was brilliant when you brought this up. A lot of these students only know what they are taught from their band director. So a lot of these these students that we consider to be in the eighteen culture, the band head culture, are um, what's the echo? I don't. I don't hear anything. I think you're good. Those are students they're been to the same college that they went to. You know, like they are, it's like this progression of things that have this cycle that happens over and over. Right. My band director went to Southern. I went there. So I'm going to go there when I go to college. And all my students are going there. Right. And so if that's the only thing you know, you know, nothing against them because I think there's a lot of great things happening there. You know, nothing against that. But if that's all you know, that's all you're going to be able to do. Unless you're like, you know, you, Mario, who was gigging all around North. The same thing with me, right. you know, or, you know, Maya being involved in dance, but also being in acting and pageants and all these other things, you know, like having multiple things that your hands are in to give you a more well-rounded experience. And, you know, I think that's something that as educators, we're going to have to do a better job of, you know, sending our students into better predicaments where, they're getting a more well-rounded new education. Ain't nothing wrong with being a band head. Shoot. I got to tell this story, Julian. First time I ever heard Southern University, I was sitting in Mario and Ken. Ken James, where you at, homie? Yeah. Uh, I was sitting in Mario and yeah. Ken in Beasley's room. And I'm like, man, what are y'all listening to? That sounds like some mess. And I went in there because I was listening through it to the through the door. So I went in their room. I'm like, man, what is that? So I walked in there. And they were like, dog, you ain't never heard Southern before? I was like, no. And then they play I Remember. And I'm sitting there like, that, that's, that's all right. <laughs> that thing was coming. And I'm sitting there like, golly, I had never heard Southern before in my life. And that was my uh, sophomore year of college that I had first time I heard them. So, you know, Mario and Ken introduced me to the manhead culture. And I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I just think that if you got it the same and, you know, with a with a good heart where you, you know, are showing your kids multiple things and you're being a good teacher, then, you know, you'll, you'll create great musicians that are able to appreciate both. Right. All right. Can we talk about Maya's hair right now? How that thing laying down? I'm going to say it looks, it looks amazing. I'm, I'm going to say it too. I was trying to be that guy, but I'm like, yeah, that looks great. I, I didn't wear no hat today, Brownie. Just for you. Right. Hey, hey, he got hey, the smooth hey. part right there. Hey. That, that natural bounce happening. Right. Natural bounce. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. That thing land just right. <laughs> I tried to do a little something, something you know. Yeah, she had to get cute for the camera. That's what it is. <laughs> anyway. Uh, um, welcome, everybody, to Talk That Talk, where we give complete, unfiltered, unscripted band talk, band culture, music education, and all the like. Uh, please make sure that when you come in, you click the subscribe button and also make sure that you tap that like button as well. All right. On to our next topic. And we kind of brought this up a little. If you notice, it's all going in some type of uh, you know, right. same topic. So 
here's the one that I think Maya's going to get excited about. Mm-hmm. Have dance lines gone too far? <laughs> Have dance lines gone too far? Maya, you know we're going to start with you. Okay, fine, Mario. What's the y'all gotta say, and then I'm wrapping up. Let Rick start this one. I started the one before that. Let me go ahead, Rick. You got it. Uh, band culture has always evolved. Some cultures slower than others. Um, from you know everybody doing kick lines and stuff like that. Uh, I have to be honest with you guys and ladies from home. Don't kill me. When you see me at homecoming and stuff like that, but I just absolutely did not appreciate uh, MEAC dance lines at all. Like I remember, we used to look at the um, cheerleaders from Virginia State as being like the top of the line when it came to the, what were they woo woos or something. Ooh, like Everybody yes, was like, woo woos. We were like, woo woos yes, are amazing. He got tight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know how that's gonna kill me, man. I'm, I might fight at homecoming. Yes. All right, I love y'all. Y'all know that. Don't don't kill me. But <laughs> we went into the woo. We like, man, them girls, you know, like because Miss Howard had a, a absolute standard. You have to you have to look a certain way. You have to dance a certain way. And you know, it was classical. It was jazz. It was all those things, and they definitely had technique, and they and they did what they did well. But it just wasn't for me, and partially because I just wasn't a dancer, so I didn't really have the appreciation then. And then when I got to Prairie View and I saw the Black Foxes for the first time, I'm like, that's different. <laughs> like, that's that's different. And so I really started watching. I'm like, wow, these, these women are amazing. And they've grown and grown to like, Sean's doing great work with that line, man. And that's the line that really made me start noticing. So I don't think so because I think you know, there's flash and flare. Obviously, you know, I'm anxious to hear what Maya has to say. But for me, being a and they've grown and grown to like old band director and not really having much experience on it, looks good to me. <laughs> Mario, what you got, homie? I'm I'm want to hear Maya. I want to hear. What you got. <laughs> I'm waiting. Look, Mario said I'm gonna get all the flack at home coming. He ain't getting nothing. No, right. I'm I'm gonna say something. I'm gonna say something. But it ain't really about hot ice. It's just. Well, mine wasn't about them either. I'm just saying, like, yeah, me in general, I didn't appreciate it. Like, I mean, yeah, just uh, I didn't appreciate it until I saw a black fox. Okay, fine, I'll take it. Um, so for starting, the girls just said to be glad to have my mom's days are over. If we was in the here and now, then it would be totally different from my perspective. But have dance lines gone too far? Yes, in my opinion, because there used to be such a dramatic difference between what the Foxes brought to the table versus what the Motion brought to the table versus what the Stingettes brought to the table versus what the Divas brought to the table and so on and so forth. And now I think in a sense of blurred lines to where we've captured a particular flair, we've captured a particular style if it comes to costuming looks and overall aesthetic. But when it comes down to the dance, to technique, we've taken that very far in a positive way. 
now we're we're looking at people who are more trained um, classically, who have were grown up in a studio, who have been able to um, assess the, the 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 band style or the swag style or whichever um, whichever band that they choose to go to. But on the other side of it, everyone is starting to now look the same because it's such a competition. These people are getting this um, these accolades for doing these things, so now I have to bring that over here. There's always been a sense of, you know, well, did this person steal this count from this person or did they steal this dance move from this line or whatever the case may be? And so now it just kind of looks the same. And I mean, if we're just being totally honest, Michonne has done an absolute amazing job. Like from the very beginning, we already knew that we was going to take it far. However, even still, there are some inklings of things that I think have blended the foxes as well as all the other lines just a little bit, right? So now it's a little bit harder to the naked eye to see the exact difference between each style and each each group, which, I mean, it, I, it kind of comes with the territory, but sometimes it's a little bit sad and disappointing because the, the fun behind being able to know that, okay, well, we, we got Southern this week or we have this this week because we knew that we were going to be challenged with something different. We know we had to think outside the box to bring something new to the table. Now that box just has a different bow on it, in my opinion. But I think that that is because of all of the comments, all of the extra uh, uh, comments and just conversations that are being had by those persons who don't know what they're talking about, which leads exactly back to what we were talking about earlier. I think that all those things go too far. So now there's so much pressure to keep up. Whoever has the high standing accolades, you're going to do whatever you have to do to keep your name on the board as well. And typically that makes things to kind of look the same. So have we gone too far in the sense of things have become blended in my opinion? But I do like the fact that the dancers are being, or auxiliary, because we don't want to leave them out as well, are getting much more showtime. They're getting much more um, persons are, are taking note. And it's not just, oh, those are the girls that dance with the band. Oh, those are the girls that be having their butt out or whatever the case may be. There's an appreciation for the style and the art and the stylistic culture that comes behind it. And you mentioned the other auxiliary and I'm what I'm what what I may be seeing and I could be wrong. Are we actually losing like the rest of the auxiliary, the color guard and things like that? Because I don't know how many bands I can truly name that I can think of right now that have a lot of um, guard and, and flag lines. Losing? I wouldn't say losing because again there was never that many to begin with. Right. So the storm, like our flags have always or have been a thing for the sweat. Um, TSU, I know that they're, they're ocean waves, I think they are. Forgive me if I'm wrong. There are certain here and there. So, uh, BCU, they have flags. Um, NCAT, they do a whole auxiliary. Now, those are the, when I think about it, I think those are the only four people that I can think of off the top of my head who have, oh, and Norfolk State, but it's a different, it's a different variation of it. So, it's totally um, but losing, I, I just think that it comes with the conversation is, is this something that the people are for? Is this something that we want to push? Is this something that other bands want to aspire to grow themselves to or be a part of? Or are we just going to keep it traditionally of who's always had them and just go from there? 
Yeah, right. I'll um I just add a little something there, man. I, I'll say this. I um have dance lines gone too far? I don't even know what we're talking about specifically. Have they gone too far or I don't know in what direction? I, so you can say, yeah, they've gone too far. And then you can say they haven't gone far enough. To be honest, I mean, because I, I mean, I look at it like this. I feel like um, I look at dance lines that, and, and, and I'm not saying this to play it safe. I believe dance lines, just like band, hasn't evolved. I, I, I keep talking about that. I'm, that's going to be a constant theme of mine. I, and um, I'm not saying that everything that come from, you know, like because I, I, I talk to my students about Golden Delight because I, I like the fact that they have like this multi-usage type of like their their auxiliary unit I've because the all-purpose girls yeah like they kind of like do the baton and the flag and dance all together and i think that's kind of cool um everybody's not for that and that's cool and i understand everybody has their own specific thing and i know like even coming from where i came from the dancers and the flag um twirlers are totally different in their philosophy of how they perform it's like absolutely different so that would probably never ever be a thing at Norfolk State as long as you know I'm breathing. I mean, because I can just imagine how much of an uproar that would be for so many people. But I will say one of the things that I noticed that you said, Maya, like I don't think that there's many people who can name all the auxiliary units like that in general. Like I just people don't even know the names of groups. Like the fact that you're saying that means to me it shows me the difference between the SWAC and the MIAC from the jump. Like there's people who know names of dancers. Don't nobody know people like that. Like, I mean, you know, like do, do some, who knew, like, I'm not, and this is not, I'm just calling a random school. I'm like, who was the lit, like, who was the dance captain for South Carolina state last year? I don't know. Like, I mean, like, like nobody knows like that unless they are around South Carolina state or something like that. But, and that's no shot on South Carolina state. It's just to say that the MEAC treats to me, auxiliary units a little differently. I feel like the SWAC embraces the auxiliary units way more. From the band directors down and the crowds and everything. That's also a part of that thing that you mentioned earlier about outside people. I feel like outside people have influenced the, the momentum of auxiliary units more than people in the bands. Because a lot of times band heads are like, I don't even care what they're doing. But the people outside love to see them. You know what I mean? So it becomes a whole different type of like energy. I will say this is my last point, though. I don't like when there's non-musical ideas of what to play during a field show um, from like auxiliary units. If you don't know music and you're like, oh, let's play this song. And it's like, oh, nothing but like 808s. It's like, that's not a, mu that's not a musical selection that would actually sound good with your band. But coming from someone who actually understands music, you want to try to choose songs that would actually work. And that's that's even saying if your director even gives a crap enough about to even ask you without just throwing you a song and saying, work it out. So you, that I think when you're given that type of power, and this is for any auxiliary out there, please do your, do, your, do your homework on that. Listen to music to understand what works for your band. Just like you want the band to appreciate you, you need to appreciate them. And it needs to be a reciprocating relationship for sure. Maya, let me ask you this question. Do you, do you think that the dance line should choose the music or should the band directors just say, hey, y'all gonna dance to this and this is what it is? I think you gotta know who you're working with, right? So, would I let Miss Sean make, choose the music all day, every day? Miss Sean is different though. You know, um, people who have a particular ear and again, have just like you were saying, Mario, have an appreciation for the art of dance, have an appreciation for the art of the band as well. Those things have to align. So just yeah, because this is the hottest song on the radio right now does not mean that this should be our feature. Just like 
every tune is not a drill tune. You, there are reasons why things are picked for certain categories of the show. So, uh, no, uh, <laughs> I think you have to know who's in your band program if they have the capacity. I think it should always be a conversation. Um, but that's just, you know, collaboration, uh, how I feel about collaboration. But I think that when it comes down to it, a lot of dancers have a different thought process when they're choosing music and it doesn't align with the musicality or what is necessary to make a proper field show from beginning to end. And like you brought up Sean, like Sean's, Sean was an all state clarinet player in high school. You know what I'm saying? So I think she knows her way around music, you know? Right. And that's, that makes a difference. That makes a difference in how you select what you want your dance line to, to work out to, right? That makes yeah. a difference. Uh, I, I will say this, um, and Mario and, and, and Rick, y'all remember this. Uh, there was there was a certain year where we played a song <laughs> for our dance line that was not mm -hmm. it. I, just, I won't. I, it was called "Get Into Something." That's all, uh, I'm, that's all I'm gonna say. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's all I'm gonna say. But I, I don't know. I I, I think that. Yeah, I, I'm gonna agree with you on that one, man. I because I, I, I was gonna say I really think that directors should pick the song but then i also do believe that you know the music has to coincide and, and feel comfortable uh, to the dancers as well so yeah i'm i'm a, i'm a rock with what you said well no that's true because i i don't remember which song it was but there was some there was one feature that we had where it was it was hard to create it was hard to let things flow because it was picked based off of the the vibe of the show itself and not necessarily the flow or what would have been necessary to, to create different lines to create, create a different picture for the show in terms of the, the dance feature. But so, yeah, that's a, that's a catch 22. Yeah. That's agree. I, I can agree with that for sure. Cause you don't, obviously like Julian said, you don't want something that's that the dancers can't vibe to. Cause then obviously they're, they're the stars of the show. The music is the support in that moment. And, um, but at the same time, the band got to be able to deliver. I mean, and, and, and honestly, and I say this, and this is like kind of off topic, but I'll kind of say this. You just kind of have to deliver whatever it is that you're playing and just make it work for the, you know, for that show. And like, I know I've experienced when the band did not want to deliver something because they was just so upset with what the tune was. They couldn't get with it because it was like either just super repetitive or it just didn't have any um, apex. It was just like kind of flatline. And when you have music like that, we got to make sure we understand the difference between radio songs and, and musical selections that can actually go to a field show and complement the whole show in general. So, No, I, I agree with that as well, because if if I don't enjoy what I'm dancing to, how can I provide my personality? And and on the same on the same difference, how can Benson be able to like groove and really like get in get into that bag with the music if they like, oh, OK, here you go. You're not really gonna get the vibe of what you're looking for, so I agree with that too. Mm -hmm. All right, all right. Very good thoughts. Very good thoughts. Uh, so, welcome again to Talk That Talk, where we have unfiltered, unscripted, live uh, band talking conversations. Uh, make sure you subscribe. And also make sure you smash that like button. All right. 
we're going to get to the final topic and I don't know if, I don't know if, I don't know how long this one's going to go. So, uh, I'm gonna oh, just put it out there. Oh Lord! <laughs> I'm gonna just put hey, it out before there. You, hey, before you go, Julian, before you go, happy birthday, Dr. Sanford, man! Like, I don't oh, know. Yeah, happy birthday, Dr. Sanford, man! Happy My birthday, man. Dr. O'Neill Sanford. O'Neill, what? Yes, sir. Hey, Julian, I need yeah. you. To, I need you to make sure that you uh wish me a happy birthday on the thing, man. You you got to say O'Neill. <laughs> All right, here we go. You all ready? Yep. Have we forgotten about the music educator? So let me give you a little context on this. So when we talk about our HBCU band cultures, we really think about the excitement and the entertainment and blah, 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 right? But there are a lot of times where these students who are involved in these programs go out and they are music educators and they go out massively or unprepared for the classroom, even to even just compete for a job. So when we participate in these things where we say it's the culture or we say, hey, man, this is this is entertainment. Have we actually forgotten about the music educator who was a part of that program? Uh, who started last? Let's, I think it was uh, Rick. So, Maya, I'm going to throw that one at you. No! <laughs> <laughs> Why y'all still trying to get, formulate my thoughts? Please uh, let me pass. All right. see, see, every time, every time I try to throw it at you, you be like, no, nah. all right. So, I'm going to have to pass the buck off then to Mario then. So, hit me that question one more time so I can make sure I'm answering it properly. All right. So, if somebody, if somebody has a YouTube going, no, because I'm getting some feedback. YouTube? Yeah, I'm hearing. I'm hearing. Yeah, I'm hearing. I'm hearing a double Smiths. Smiths. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. Why are you fixing that, Maya? Can I tell you something? Huh? He used to make me well, in the last time we were talking about the dance. The dance. Mm -hmm. He used to make me he so uncomfortable when we would be at games, marching into games, and it'd be grown men that you ain't never met in your life. Go, Maya, Maya, and I'm sitting there like, Ooh. like nasty, like you don't know. She's like, she's like twenty. Twenty. <laughs> hello, hello Maya, before you, before you uh, answer that, as I think you might need to turn yours down a little bit. Me? Yeah. Yeah. Turn your volume on. Turn your volume on. Your mic. Is that better? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Slightly. It's the feedback. It's the feedback. I'm going to be so. That just turned into something else. I don't yeah, know. I, don't, I don't know. You you just started sounding like a robot just now. Sorry, you sound like Johnny Fine. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is this like that? There it no, is. No, you're good. All right, go ahead. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, but but that kind of goes with what we were talking about. Like, so many people have so much access to you that mm. you don't know of. You don't know Johnny from from James, but they know exactly who you are, what you've been doing, what you've been trending, what they expect you to do, and what they want you to do. Yeah, it's very weird. But again, 
I imagine that if I was dancing now, it'd be a hundred times worse. But no, it, it got real weird. Even to the point where we even have videos on YouTube from a particular person where we didn't, I didn't even know that they were recording. Like that, that goes to like some, some real crazy types yeah. where, you know, well, there will be shots just zoomed in on particular people or whatever, yeah. just real creeper vibes. So not good. And it, it won't just you, because like uh, that young lady from Southern that was the captain the same time you were there, mm -hmm. she was she was world famous. Everybody act like they knew her. So, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, Julie. I know you want to get back to the topic, but I just I wanted to throw that in because it just used to always make me so uncomfortable. Like, y'all yeah, don't care. Yeah. It's an uncomfortable thing, especially when you, 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 I think of, I would think about that in my personal life. If I'm going to Houston or going somewhere, is there, am I going to see somebody who's going to recognize me outside of my uniform or what have you? And then what, what is that interaction going to be like? So not good. Yeah. That's, I can only imagine what that's like for, for, for auxiliary dancers and stuff like that, just across the country in general too. Like that's gotta be, people be wilding, people yeah. be wilding and mad disrespectful too. Like it's just, it's OD. Yeah. And uh, you know, that's, I, I will say that's one thing I do like about Norfolk is that we have guards to protect our ladies specific people in place that will definitely uh, tighten you up Yeah, if you, if you mess with the ladies or anybody in the band for that sake, but especially the ladies. So that's that's a... All right, so who, who did I pass this to? I think it Mario. was... Yeah, you passed it to me. Mario. I was asking you to uh, repeat the question again. All right, so the question was, have we forgotten about the music educator? Um, as a, Do you need me to elaborate again? Yeah, yeah, just uh, you like forgotten in what way? Forgotten, like when we when we participate in our marching band culture, right? And we always talk about how this is our culture and this is what we do, and it's for the entertainment and it's for this, and you know, and we always are con continuously justifying, you know, our what we do, right? But then we have a music educator who goes out and, you know. In a lot of ways, they're not prepared. They're there. They haven't had a lot of uh, the necessary things, especially from the marching culture, uh, to be able to sustain in in the teaching aspect. They know how to blow that hole, but talking about a characteristic sound and, and timbre and all that. Mm -hmm. um, so, have we forgotten about the music educator when we're talking about we trying to smash on this next band on the other side of of the field? Yeah, I think I don't think people care. I think people care about their shows because shows are directly related to approval ratings for whoever. And that all I think that stuff is more about um, how it makes the university look and those those types of things. And I think the the the, the directors are focused on their shows and just focus on what that that's going to do for for what that what it looks like for them. Um, on the other time, on the other hand, I also say that I mean it's not even on the other hand, but just kind of in addition to that, people only can teach what they know. I think my biggest thing has been like a lack of um, perfect. Like I'm like as a person, I would say me personally, I'm always trying to professionally develop. I'm always trying to find something new that I don't know, or like find something to make me better. And I'm more critical on myself than I will, than anybody will ever be. And everybody who knows me knows that I'm always on myself. Like people are like, oh, you did a great job. I'm like, oh, I was all right, but could have did this. You know what I mean? Could have, you know, and I'm not saying everybody needs to go around like that because everybody's different personalities. But what I am saying is that in a lot of our schools, I feel like 
the reason why things aren't different is because the directors are teaching from their base of knowledge. And if they're coming from places where they don't have an outside base of knowledge, then they may, they're not able to teach what you don't know. But even if they do know, then there may be a fear that if I do too much of the other things that shake up the normalcy of what it's been in a certain situation, like I can only imagine what it's like for a person like Ricardo to go to, to, to have been at Norfolk where Norfolk is, we do play with larger volume, but we're not like, that's not the focus of our program to then go all out of that and then move to the SWAT and then have to be in a culture where you have DCI, you have, you, you have all these different things in your brain that you know you would love to implement and having to be like, but I can't, but I can't, but I can't. So I don't know how many banners you have out there who don't do that. And you think about these departments that put these kids out. Um, I don't think they're putting the kids out thinking about the holistic aspect of music education. They're thinking about their graduation rates because that's what a lot of HBCUs are thinking about graduation rates for their program. So if you get out, that's the goal for them, not necessarily what you're getting out with because people love to jump on the back of your success. You know, I don't want to get into that, but people love to be able to say like, Hey, this person came from our school, whatever, but you know, what are the things that this person is teaching? Did it actually come from their program or is it their outside professional development to help cultivate that ability? And I mean, that's neither here nor there. I mean, everybody's program is different. So I can't speak for every school because I don't know everybody, but I will tell you, I've talked to a number of people from different HBCUs have had that similar experience. They don't know about a lot of stuff. I teach jazz band and jazz band is huge to me. I came from that culture in high school. So what I, came, you know, going to college and leaving college and coming to Newark, I knew that Newark had a history of jazz. That's not something I learned here at Nor or learned in Norfolk State. I didn't learn it in Norfolk. I learned about being in a jazz band, but I knew some of those things before I got there. Those things weren't necessarily advanced there, but we did have an environment that was cultivating people who had no experience, not cultiv cultivating people who had a lot of experience. You know what I mean? So it wasn't, that's not necessarily the environment all the time. So there, we used to, in HBCUs, and I'll close it here, we used to having people with little to zero experience in the MEAC and having to raise them up. Whereas, like, I'm talking about not necessarily, um, like, people who don't even know band at all. I'm going to tell you, my, when I first came to Norfolk, half of the people who came in with me as rookies, they didn't know band. People coming from the Virgin Islands, they had never, they had never participated in marching band like that. People coming from wherever part of Virginia, they did never even done that. They've never done any of these things. People who came from all types of instruments and just were kind of like pushed on them, this culture. So it's a very different in energy and philosophy. So that's what I got to say about that. I'll go Maya so you can continue to formulate those thoughts. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I, Mario, you touched on so many good points. I want to touch on some of them a little further than where you went. Because the name of this show is Talk This Talk, so we're going we gonna to get deep in here. Um, I think it's the band program that you're associated with. From the standpoint of core style bands, the bands are absolutely identifiable by the director that's standing in front of them. You will never go to Tarpon Springs and be able to say the color guard captain's name or the blue coats. They don't know who our color guard captain is, but you come to PV, you know who Maya is. You know, you know who all these people are that are standing in front. I think, like, you talked about 
all my experiences, man. I, I, for those who don't know, I do have a drum corps background. I still teach drum and bugle corps. And one of my main things, uh, I'm, I'm a part of an organization called Our Marching Counts. And it's made up of all the African-American members of DCI Corps that have marched in the past, present, and, and hopefully, you know, those that want to go into the future. Uh, we formed an organization to advocate for African-American involvement in the activity. And one of my main things, um, y'all, has been getting students from African-American uh, school, HBCUs, to participate in drum corps. And Mario, you touched on it. You like people don't know what they don't know. There are so many talented kids at these HBCUs that can march drum corps easily, easily. But because they don't uh, maybe have access to the activity or the resources, they don't. I'll give you a quick story. Um, I was working with a young man from Prairie View this year. His name is Mirandy Johnson. Uh, he's uh, getting ready to graduate from Prairie View. He's one of the trumpet section leaders there. Was able to work with him to get him to audition for Blue Coast this year. Not only did he make the core, he was the featured flugelhorn soloist in our show this year. That's an HBCU student, you know, just like all of us were. And just give, having the opportunity, he was a superstar in the drum corps. Everybody loved him, and he and he was just he was solid. And there have been others, Travis, you know, March Blue Coats in fourteen, and the cadets have a lot of people from Jackson State, uh, Virginia State, um, PV. Like these people are getting access because of what you said, Mario. Who your director is standing in front of you. I don't think people forgot the director because there's a number of directors in the HBCU world. Like that, um, that brother, um, Brian Simmons, just got the job at um, Texas Southern. And the whole band world is watching. You know, they want to see what that turns into. And he has absolutely become synonymous with that program. And I wish that brother much success, man. You know, like my main thing as an African-American man is I want to see black people do well. That's, you know, I don't care what school they went through. I don't care what their affiliation, Greek affiliate, whatever. You know, we can talk about that later because y'all is a mess. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, I want to see that brother do well and I want to see his program do well. And as black people, we should all be rooting for that. We should be able to put our feelings for our own programs aside and support that brother and everything he do. And on the vice versa that we need to stop tearing each other down when we go through difficulties. You know, like I, I'm you know, I'm sure that can be a topic for another show. But we've seen so many of our own going through challenges, both created by themselves and not. And first thing we do is tear them down. So why would we expect anybody else to care about band directors and band and HBCU band programs when the first thing we do is talk crap about each other and tear each other down? Right. You know, it, it's a it's a culture. It's a culture inside of band culture that I think needs to go away where we must hate each other to be competitive. I think that's dumb. And I think, you know, maybe I'll lose some credibility here because I think that. But, you know, like Maya said, when, when we were up for uh, Hampton Week at Norfolk or A&T Week, there was never a moment at Norfolk where we said, I hate A&T. I hate Hampton. It's we're going to crush Hampton and we're going to crush A&T, which we normally did. So y'all can come at me if you want to. Show me the year where y'all smashed us. I'll, I'll wait. But anyway, um, <laughs> like we were always up for that because the music was what mattered to us. And Dr. Sanford and Mr. Adams and Dr. Zachary and Ms. Sanders and Ms. Bethea, they hammered that into us. You know, name me a drum book in the country that can mess with one of the Bethea drum books. I'll wait. 
But then you got other people that have no appreciation for it because they can't do it or they have no they don't know what it is. Oh, that's boring. That's core style. No, it's a rudimental funk. Go ahead, MD. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> to answer your question, Julian, for music educators, I think you make yourself relevant. If you're preaching something that is going out and is relative or related to people can relate to people and something that your students are able to carry on. If you're putting out crap students, that's on you. That's not on the school systems that they go into. Now, granted, the last thing I'll say is that some school systems value certain styles over others. You know, when I taught in Houston, you know, Houston public schools absolutely favored the core style over the show style. And we can talk about race. We can call, talk about whatever you want. But the fact of the matter is, to automatically think that somebody is better just because they did a specific style, that's a disservice to all those students graduating from the schools. But on the other hand, if a person has had a, a, a bad band director from said university, whatever university, you know, YouTube uh, University where a lot of these people got their doctorate from, um, <laughs> if they got it from there and you get band, bad band directors over and over from there, you're not going to want to get more band directors from that area. It's just like doctors. If Norfolk State was putting out bad doctors, guess what? They ain't going to get hired no more. So right. I think it's, I think your question, once again, is loaded, but I think, and I think it had multiple answers. And I'll stop talking. So Go ahead, I, Naya. I, I think waiting this question a little bit different. Right. So <laughs> the way that I received it was Is the bandsman prepared? to go out and go forth and conquer if they choose to be able to, or if they choose or want to, I don't know, be a band director or go into whatever musical career system. That's how I received it. And I think that um, it depends. So is the music educator forgotten about? I think the production of whichever band or whichever um, formulation of music we're talking about that's where you understand that because you again, Mario, he kind of uh, focused on this. It depends. You can only speak from what you know, right? I would like to think that those who come from TV, especially in this day and age, would be able to go forth and conquer and that the music educator is not um, forgotten about because we were able to have a dynamic staff and not many people can say that, right? So when we were in that particular transition, we did have music majors who were um, who were in the band, just as we had business majors that were in the band. At one point in time, because I lived it, those music majors utilized, this is pre-transition, utilized, um, utilized the storm as an outlet to where I'm just gonna get on my horn and do what I wanna do because it's a release for me. And when the transition occurred, that kind of got cut off because there was a focus without giving too much outside information or internal information. There was a focus, there was a vision, and there was a need to be able to integrate particular morals and values to, to ultimately get there, right? And so I think that first and foremost, just the way you're looking at 2012 versus 13, 14, and so on and so forth, you can see the difference. And I think that there's no way to not without thinking about things slow from the top down in the organization of band, right? The students don't run it. I mean, well, the students don't run the band, which I'm familiar with. I can't speak for everybody else. But you can definitely see how Doc, Julian, Rock Brown, Hawkins, everybody credit themselves into what was needed to be done. And now those persons, just like you were speaking about, 
uh, um, who was able to be um, defeated, right? Would, would we be able to do that same thing seven years ago? Probably not. But that's because what, what is what is a lot totally different, and that comes from the top down. Swallows the one swallows the whole bunch. Now when you get a, a, a clean slate and you're able to push that, now we've been conditioned, right? Now that same thought process that comes from the top down is able to be pushed through the whole thing and they will continue so on and so forth. So they are able or do they do have the recollection to to try new things, to to, to go into the drum court situation or to be able to produce those same thoughts and values and those same techniques when they decide to go forth into their careers. I think the the one thing too, Julian, that we haven't touched on that I think was super important to us as HBCU graduates in the band world is how important the death of Robert Champion was to black band culture. Yeah. Like to me, and I'm sure y'all have opinions on this, but that young brother being murdered senselessly for some bus mask completely changed what HB, the HBCU band landscape looks like, both for the best, better, but also for the worst. And Julian, you and I have this conversation all the time. Before Robert Champion's death, there were numerous bands that people held at the pinnacle, like FAMU, Southern, Jackson, Norfolk, um, Bethune-Cookman. You know, there were all these different bands, Tennessee State, you know, like all these bands that everybody was looking at. And then after Robert Champion and Famp died, I feel like there were only like one or two bands that people were looking at as like the pinnacle, maybe even three. And in my opinion, that was Southern and Bethune-Cookman. You know, Bethune-Cookman was the sound, Southern was the energy and the excitement and the, you know, and, and the projection. And then you had Norfolk. We stayed in our own lane. We did our own thing. You know, we never tried to be in any other bands, but then it, it filtered everybody into those categories. So either you sound like this one band or this other. And I think that, honestly, that is, to me, the negative side, like Maya was saying earlier with the dancers, is that it, it made everybody start doing the same things. And I think that was what all the pushback was at PV when we first got there, because we said... We're not trying to be that band. We're not trying to be that band. We're trying to be us. And the way we ran rehearsals was different. Like when we were in the band in Norfolk State, we never did a true warm-up. We played that E-flat scale. We maybe played a uh, E-flat chord. We maybe played a scale or two, and then we went in that fight song, and we was off and going. That was the warm-up. At PV, you know, I was spending 35, 45 minutes working on fundamentals. And the band hated it. But it completely changed the sound of the band. And, you know, they I don't know if they do that uh, as much now, but I know for a fact they still work on fundamentals and stuff like that. And that is the reason why PV's band sounds better than most bands in the country. Not HBCU in the country. You know, do, do they have their faults? Yes. Every band in this country has their fault. My band has their faults. The best, whatever band you consider to be the best, um, those of you listening, those bands have faults, but I think the death of that young brother really changed our activity and it got a lot of the riffraff out, but it also really affected the culture in a, in a way that I don't think we ever going to go back to, you know, and 
And that's, that's both sad, but, you know, it's also the reality of what we do as educators and as students in these programs. Looking at it from that perspective, so it just kind of makes me ask another question. So, like, because basically what you're saying is that that changed the culture of band. So if that changed the culture of band, does that mean that those who are outside of the culture perceive us in a different light? Those that are ignorant to the culture, yeah. You know, like the people on this call right now are all informed. We had our HBCU experiences. Right. You know, I showed up to yeah. North State and was definitely afraid of Sharice Parker, who's like four foot nine inches tall. She's a athletic director at Chicago State, I think it is now. She was my rookie mom. Like even listening to Maya talk, Maya says her crab brothers, me, you, and Julian and Mario, we say rookie brothers because that was the terminology in the band we were. You know, each band had different things. We tried to bring that to PV, and that was an absolute no go. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, like uh, things like that. Like I remember showing up and Sharice telling us, "You better not show up to this rehearsal in nothing but white shirt and black shorts." It wasn't hazing; it was the uniform. You know, but you say that now. People think it's the worst thing in the world. Oh, Lord, I'm being hazed because I must look like the people around me and have a uniform look. So when we're on the field, with the part that they don't talk about, we're not looking at faces and trying to find people on the field to guide to. We're actually looking at the field and learning how to read a field. Oh, what a foreign concept that every core style band in the country does. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it, it has changed the culture in a way that, I ain't going to say it's softer because I, I believe that a lot of the mess that was happening in these bands, I was never hazed to be in Norfolk State's band, ever. Hazing to us was Maurice saying, learn that music. <laughs> or, you, or you ain't marching. That was that was, that was what it was. So, <laughs> I, I think that's right, right. Or holding them wings up. You know, having to do this to play trumpet as opposed to what I was used to with a little bit bigger there. That was that was, I guess, what you know. We were never hazed to be in the band because it was that wasn't important. You want to have your butt on the field. You'd be standing there on the sideline at attention. So yeah, man. So I think it's changed the culture a lot, man. What y'all think? I don't disagree. I I, I don't even know if I, I have anything to add because I would echo. I would echo. So then to go off of that, then I'm going to give a scenario. Um, and I'm not going to give a school or anything like that. Black black kid comes from HBCU and gets goes to get a job at some. Um, let's just say suburban area core style school gets the job and the the directors or the administration all believe they're about to change this core style school into a high step marching band or swag school right do you think that that perception from the administrators or even the staff is warranted based on whatever the culture gives out yeah absolutely because you teach what you know 
And if that's not a part of the curriculum at most schools, learning mulch, multitudes of marching styles, learning drill writing, learning these different skill sets, then you're going to teach what you know. I keep going back to that. I just like think that that's like the core of all of it. It's like you it doesn't mean people don't learn stuff on their own. You know what I mean? Like I know some people who like post college become great drill writers. I mean, that wasn't even what they did in school at all, but they just became they did that on their own and became good at that. And that was like a skill set that they have. But I think when it comes to um, that dynamic, I think it could be looked at on the other side too. Somebody is at a, uh, a high step school and a person is hired in to that doesn't have that, you know, background. They may have the same struggles because they weren't taught that. So I just don't want to look at it as like, we are not adjusting, but other people aren't either. So it's like people teach what they know and where they're from. So um, if that could be something that could be embraced and learned on both sides, then that'd be a perfect world. But we know that doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, because look who you think, like like Mario said, fam, you used to be like one of the bands that everybody looked to when it came to drilling. Right. You know, to me right now, the, the band that everybody looks to for drilling from the SWAC is probably Southern and from the MEAC, it's definitely a &T. You yep. know, like Gary Bryant, my good friend Gary Bryant, he writes drills for AT. Is probably one of the up and coming stars, in my opinion, when it comes to HBCU style and just drill writing in general. Yeah. But that brother has a vision. I've talked to him about this, and he's like, you know, I don't want to just do HBCU. I want to do core style. I want to be, you know, in the community. I want to judge. Like that brother has vision, and he has, you know, he's ambitious, and so hit that I think feeds his creativity to a point where in fact when Auntie shows up to the ballot um, next weekend or two weekends from now, everybody's going to be like, man, what a going to do? They're going to show out. I know they are. They're going to show out. So, I, Mario, you are absolutely right, bro. If you got a visionary like Gary Bryan in your program, guess what? Your drill going to be stellar. If you got a Mario McMillan in front of your uh, jazz band, guess what? Your jazz band going to be hitting. You know what I'm saying? Like, if Maya's my dance instructor, and when, you know, I'm going to be like, Maya, I already know what it's going to be. I ain't even going to have to ask you. You know what I'm saying? And if Julian's in charge of my trumpet section, I'm like, oh, they's a mess. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm trash. It's all <laughs> so if you're inside of the chat right now, um, I actually put the link in so that you can actually get in on the conversation. Um, so just, just know that if you do click the link and you want to get in on the conversation, the cameras must be on. The cameras must be on. And while we while we're thinking about it, June, Mar all of us have brought up that battle um, that's coming up in Houston. Hopefully, all you HBCU grads, um, no matter if you were in the band or not, y'all go make sure y'all go check out and support these HBCUs. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, and also, there are a lot of events going on that week too. Uh, in particular, one of our Legion brothers, uh, Miss uh, Eric Reed, is throwing a pregame for the um, Battle of the Band. So if you guys want to go and fellowship and get together with one another and have a good time, uh, he's doing a, a happy hour at um, from, what, 10 to 2 at the uh, living uh, room bar and lounge. So go check him out. That's the day of the event. That was it, Sunday, I think it is, Mario? Was the yeah, I think it's yeah. Sunday. So come fellowship, go meet some of these band people from other schools. Don't just worry about your own band. It's a lot of us, and we need to support the culture by supporting one another, support black people. 
Right. You know, like and support these bands. Buy a t-shirt, you know. In agreement with Rick, man, I would say this too, man. I think um, like in many organizations, the undergrad version of the organization doesn't, they don't usually do the most work. Yeah. It's the people after that. Like when you come out of it, you become the spokesperson for the success story from this program, which then allows it to be viewed in certain ways, whether it's you're graduating and you're teaching at a school, if you're, you you open up your own dance studio, if you are teaching lessons or whatever, whatever you're doing, you become um, how people view the school, the people who graduate. So we got to continue to um, promote and support, promote and support, promote and support. And I want to make sure that's like a big thing. I try to sense, um, like I'm informing my kids here in New Jersey every single day about HBCUs, about the culture, about why this is important and why they need to um, be engaged to what's happening with people that look just like them. And see, this is this is why, you know, this show right now is dope, because we're not only going to talk about band culture and, and, and music education, but we're going to actually support you, too. So we're going we're gonna to let you come on here and rock and, and we're going we gonna to promote all your stuff. And then, uh, we're gonna, then we're going to feed you and leave you. Chicken box, <laughs> three piece chicken box. Yes, sir. And a blue yeah, well, Gatorade. That, I mean, that's for us. But I mean, I I didn't eat so much Golden Corral between 2012 and 2017. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. that that guy there on Golden Corral, man. Greasy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm I want to add uh, ahead, to the to the last question or last note. Um, is the is that thought process because I don't think it, it doesn't necessarily have to be validated. Why? So I'll say from the from the adverse, right? When we heard Doc was coming, our saving grace based off of the ignorance that we knew was, well, he went to Southern. After looking at all his other accomplishments, it was like, well, he went to Southern, so we should be okay. Or he may, he, he, he know a little bit about what's going on now. Everything else I don't know where we're going to find ourselves a year from now, but he went to Southern, so we should be all right, right? But is that is that human? Yes. Is it okay? No, because it's not validated upon anything. Just like you all were saying that we can be dynamic in our own right, right? Just because I was uh, brought up, just because PD made me into, you know, my showmanship, my value, and I come from a swag background does not mean that I'm not able to adapt myself somewhere elsewhere. Right. Like, yeah. Y'all came from the MIAC and y'all came over to the SWAC and wreaked all hat. Like, you know, you made, made some things happen. But uh, taking that a step further, I just think that that's white versus black in the workplace anyway. So I would expect if, you know, <laughs> as black people, us putting ourselves in a, a white environment that, you know, that would probably be the case. <laughs> but again, maybe we shouldn't talk about that here. No, I no no no. I, I'm gonna tell you, like I said. So I have to make sure that I say this and, and continuously promote this. This is a unscripted, unfiltered conversation that we're gonna have. So what you just brought up, I already have it ready to go on another episode. So it it's not gonna it's not gonna be this episode. Uh, I can tell you that, but um, it, it's it's coming down the pipeline. So you know, just everybody who's out there in the chat. And who's watching, just make sure you stay tuned because we're going to get into a lot of those uncomfortable conversations and and it is going to be what it is. 
So I, I definitely agree with you, Maya. Oh, you know, I'm always down to talk about the. Up north, the HBCUs versus the southern ones and yeah. all the slander. Yeah. Ooh, that's going to be a nasty comment. It's, it's, it's a lot of slander. Hey, it, it don't need to be. No. Northern, not good. Southern, good. That's, that's it. Sorry. <laughs> hey, it's un yeah, unfiltered. Sorry. Name me the one band in the north that's smashing um, A&T. Let's not even go to the big, the top of the food chain. A&T to me is like right at the bottom of the top. You know, they're like in that conversation, the top man's in the country. Who's smashing A&T from Pennsylvania? I'll wait. <laughs> Please. See, see you, you getting into the topics that I was going to start about next week. Let's go. Hey, next week, I can't wait. Y'all, if y'all want to see us go in, then make sure you, you gotta tune in. Week, right. Yeah. Tune in. Yes, next exactly. week, my shirt, instead of saying feed me and leave me, it's going to say leave me and don't call me. All right. Right, mine. Hey. So next weekend, uh, next weekend is the National Battle of Advance, correct? No, I thought it was two weeks, right? No, I thought it was all up. The 29th, right? Is that next weekend? No, it's two weeks. It's two weeks from now. Okay. So week and a half. Week and a half. So first thing I'm gonna say is the next next week's conversation is actually gonna be getting closer into that. And then after that, we're gonna be talking about Texas bands. So um one of the things that I do want to mention is that it was renamed, it was Named incorrectly on the title, but we'll fix that uh, once this goes up. Right? Any any final thoughts for the people before we get out of here? Anybody want to jump in? No. Anything for the good of the culture? There we go. Support support black people. Support black organizations. Support black businesses. Support black schools. Put your money where your mouth is. A lot of us can can critique and and complain online. If you want to see these black organizations be better, donate to the school or the band that you say you want to be better. If you want um, your band to grow, put money in the scholarship coffers, people. That's how we make our programs better. Not just by sitting online and being an internet gangster. Get out and put your money where your mouth is. Support black businesses like this one. Support Talk That Talk. If you want to, you know, if you want to hear your topics up here, then jump on the call and tell me why I'm wrong. Tell Julian why he wrong, whatever. Tell Maya. You can't tell Maya she wrong because she, she'll give you one of these. But, um, yeah, man, like, we support support black businesses, man, and be and be friendlier to one another. That's why I'll leave with. I guess I'd say, man, um, this, this is a longstanding tradition, man, for us. And um, we've seen it um, at some highs, some very, very highs. And then as we talked about the Robert champion situation, probably the lowest of the lows. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's up to us to cultivate the next generation of this. So the educators that are out there, like myself and other people who are listening to this, um, we have to be a part of the change that we want to see with these next group of kids coming out and going into colleges. The reason why you're complaining about the bands is because the high schools don't, aren't, aren't preparing them. Yeah. And the reason why they're complaining that the high schools are complaining is because middle schools aren't aren't preparing them. So we have to make sure we're preparing these kids from the lower levels. And we're trying to if you work in politics, you know, you need to talk to your city council, talk to these school boards, get education, um, get music education back as a normalcy. 
so that we can continue to support our programs. And I will always be an advocate for this. Jazz is the heart and beat of all the stuff we're talking about. And if we don't continue to support the music that got everything started, then we're going to lose ourselves. And that's real talk. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm here to build a sense of community. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to reach one, teach one. We have to do our part to be able to bring the conversations to light. Those that have been talked about want to be talked about and those that we've talked about in the back rooms of our own band, you know, band rooms, but haven't brought to the forefront and brought to the light. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm to, to, to continue to grow, for you to reach out and, and be able to not just verbalize, but make our verb, our, our words into actions. Um, and that's by doing everything that you all have painted on. So I'm happy. Uh, and what I'm going to say as a final thought uh, is this. Support my LB <laughs> with his all seasoning. He wanted to make sure I put that out there for him. So some of the best season that I've, I've ever had, actually. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So support my line, brother, uh, for KK side. So that's still part of the culture. That's still part of the conversation. All right. So all agree. Yeah, yeah. All, all of us. So with that being said, I appreciate everybody tuning in to uh, Talk That Talk. Uh, please make sure that you like and subscribe. You want to make sure that you stay tuned because we have a lot of topics coming up, a lot of good information to give you. So keep it locked right here. Talk that talk. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Do we leave?